Uh, well, we're going through Exodus. Let me tell you what's going to happen for the next few weeks. Uh, of course, uh, I'm going to be here for the next few weeks, but I'm just going to uh, give the last two sessions of Exodus over to Jesse. And Jesse, starting next week, is going to take, we skipped over some things so that we could put it a part of the closure because there was a lot of details about the tabernacle. And what he's going to do is he's going to take you next week through all the different aspects of the tabernacle. It'll be very, very interesting. And then after that, uh, the next week he's going to close out Exodus and prepare us for one day when we do uh, do uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and most of us get like uh, uh, really bored with Leviticus. But Leviticus is really a cool book if if you can get into it. But he's going to be doing that, and then on uh, on um, the the thirteenth, or I can't remember, three three Sundays after that. Y'all may not know this, but Micah uh, um, um, and his wife Lori, they are actually working on their LPC, right, licensed practitioner counselor. They're going to college. They're doing counseling. And they've actually helped me a lot with, with different counseling because they have to get so many hours. Well, part of the things that they do is uh, they actually do pre-married counseling and they're licensed to, or certified to go. Actually, like if you wanted to get married, your license would cost, I don't know now what it is. I think ours cost $15. I don't know. Uh, but it was like, it's like 80-something dollars. And if you go through their sessions, uh, then what happens is even the state gives you something back. So they try to promote pre-marriage counseling. But also one of the things that they do is they counsel couples uh, that are, you know, just different going through things. And I've asked both of them to come up and they're going to kind of tag team in three Sundays about your relationship, about how to communicate well, even share some things within their life that they've they uh, they'd had to deal with as a couple and understand how to learn uh, and be a good married couple. And uh, so I'm looking forward to that. So it's going to be Jesse the next two weeks, Tabernacle, Close Out Exodus, and then they'll come up and give us a, uh, really, they y'all do this at different places, but you're just going to do it in a 30-minute setting for us. So, uh, and how to scripturally um, um, you know, communicate. Now, let me tell you, it's amazing. Uh, people will go, uh, man, I can't believe they're doing marriage counseling or I'm doing marriage counseling. I, I heard that one time, somebody going, wow, their family's a mess and they're doing counseling. And let me tell you something, folks. Uh, I'm not saying that because of you all, I'm just saying, <laughs> and no, no, I, I just, what happens is, uh, really it happens in your hometown. And I'm not, I'm not being ugly, you know this too, you're a counselor. And what happens is we automatically put that on anybody that's starting to counsel somebody. Let me tell you a truth, we're all a mess. Amen. We are all messes and we all make mistakes. Shannon and I have a great marriage. I'm the awesome one in the marriage. I'm the one that gives my all. She takes and takes and drinks. No, I'm scared. But we, you know, even us, you know, you know, you have times where you have bumps in the road. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter how long you've been married. You're always going to have those. And so, and please don't take that as though that. I'm just thinking it's really interesting that we're, I, I'm looking forward to, to hearing, I hope you understand going, wow, everybody goes through that? Yeah, everybody has bad communication time. So uh, I want, I'm excited about uh, all of you going through that. So uh, I want to get on with this message. And right now we're in Exodus, um, uh, Exodus, uh, where are we? We're Exodus 34. I was way over in James. Uh, and so uh, we're looking. Uh, we left, uh, uh, we left, yeah, we're 34. Uh, we left where um, um, 
the, the journey kind of uh, went on, uh, and we talked about how they were trying to cast out things. We talked about the different names and what they meant, the Amorite, uh, which was, uh, means to, to be bitter, to be a, uh, a rebel. Uh, we talked about the Hittite, uh, one that's broken, one who fears. We talked about where they lived, all those things we need to get out of their lives. And because through etymology, study of words, it, they really mean a whole lot with what they say. Well, now, uh, this morning, I want to do the same thing I did last week. I'm going to go through the description and give you points in between. But I want to give you what I want you to walk away with this morning, okay? Based on this, and then we're going to read it. Now, because it's, it's a long chapter, we're going to kind of jump around a little bit. So in your Bibles, turn to chapter 34. It'll be up here as well. I want you to know this. Here's what we're learning today. Uh, it says this. Oh, I'm sorry, man. I'm controlling it. Um, let's see if it works. Yep, okay. Uh, so uh, we're learning this. As a disciple of Jesus... Be sure. Now, I'm, what I'm doing is I've, I've taken the scripture and said, what did God tell us through the word? And here you're going to see this all in the scripture we're about to read that he told Moses and the people. As a disciple of Jesus, be sure to live as, as he desires. Right? And watch yourself. Right? Watch yourself. You're going to see him telling that. Watch yourself as you interact with others. Consistently, you're going to see this tear down ungodly habits. In fact, smash anything that is not of God. Cut it off. If you don't, who knows where you may find yourself. And when I counsel people, a lot of times, I'd say 95% of the time, um, they've put themselves in the situation that they're in. Honestly, people make all sorts of decisions. I sit there and listen, and eventually they said, wow, I won't even talk hardly, and they'll say, well, this was my fault, wasn't it? And I'm going, well, it's good that you recognize that because you didn't do these things. It's kind of like, and, and I guess because I was in student ministry for so many years, I would see so many teenagers come inside my office and talk about how mean their parents were and how they got in trouble. And then I just asked a few questions. And because I'm not the parent, they would go, it's my fault, isn't it? That's what you want to say. And I'm going, well, yeah, it's your fault. And so we want to go through and see uh, what Moses was talking about. So let's start in 34, 34 verse 1. But this is what we're walking away with. And as we go through this scripture, I want you to look for these different, uh, these different statements. Ready? Now, the Lord said to Moses, Cut out for yourself two stone tablets like the former ones, and I will write on the tablets the words that were on the former tablets. I like this part. Which you shattered. And there's a whole message about anger in, because really he got angry. And it's, you can be angry, but it says don't sin in, in the New Testament. But he got so angry, he took something of God and threw it down in anger. So the first thing God said, after all that was going, okay, we're going to get started again. You need to do this. You need to uh, make these two tablets yourself. You're going to cut them out yourself this time. How about that? How about you're going to do a little bit of work? He's, he just wanted to remind him, you shattered him, so now you have to take extra time to put it back together the way I wanted to. Isn't there a message for us in that? That we shatter these things that God's put in our lives, and we think, oh, God, fix it? But he said, no, no, no. I gave you the first start of it, and now you're going to have to, you're going to, have to take care of it yourself because you put yourself in the situation. He says this, so be ready uh, by morning and come up, to the, come up in the morning to Mount Sinai and present yourself there to me on top of the mountain. So he says, come up in the morning. We got a plan, and the Lord descended 
and the cloud. I love this line. And he stood there with him as he called upon the name of the Lord. What a beautiful picture. We, we pass by this imagery. It's a beautiful picture of what happens with us now. See, he had to wait for God to come down with him. But now God's, everybody look right here. I want you to get this. When you feel at your worst, when you feel alone, when you feel lonely, listen, now God stands with you because he's in us. He's with us. He's Emmanuel, right? And every time we're driving down the road and we pass a wreck or we've almost, uh, we almost, uh, you know, veer off the road. Like this morning, uh, I was driving. I made a, uh, I came from uh, 365 and I made a right there. And I don't know, we, you go over to uh, Twin City Highway and, and I was sitting there driving. I was noticing everything. And all of a sudden, man, a spider just dropped down right in front of me. You ever had that in your car? And I just went like this. And when I did, I, uh, my hand. Hand, uh, hand that was on the wheel curved over and I got off the sidewalk and I literally d- did this number and went, oh my goodness. And I remembered what I was about to teach. I went, oh God, you're with me. You, you took the wheel. You, you know, I know you're thinking Jesus took the wheel. No, that's Jesus. But he, you took it. He, t- he protected me. And then I looked behind me and there was a car and he kind of backed off. I, I know I was like going, well, probably thinks I'm drunk or something. Or um, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm uh, looking at my phone. But it was a spider. But you know, God stood there with me. And so you know when you go through something like that, all the way until the turnaround, my heart, but I was just thankful for the Lord that he was there. You know, he can, you know, he can do things like that. Swear off, he can go, nope. And he can put you back, back on. All because of a spider. But I wonder if he told the spider, and cue. You know, know, okay, I want you to think of me this morning, Pat. Who knows? But this is a real neat picture. And when, when we call upon God, he stands there with us. He's with us. We don't really picture that, do we? Look, then the Lord uh, passed by the front of him and proclaimed. Now, I want you to notice this. The Lord, the Lord God, compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness and truth. Look, see all those things? God's describing himself going, listen, even when you don't feel it, I am the Lord your God and I am compassionate. I am gracious. I'm slow to anger, anger, even though you think I'm not. I'm abounding in more loving kindness than you can ever imagine. You can mess up over and over and over again, Moses, but my love, and the Israelites will mess up, but my love and my loving kindness abounds. And what I tell you is truth. I said this, who keeps loving kindness for thousands, who forgive iniquity, transgression, and sin, he will by no means leave the guilty unpunished. He made sure that he said, hey, Moses, you need to understand this. I'm loving kindness. I'm abounding in love. But let me tell you something. I will. Those, those people who do things wrong will not go unpunished. And it's still true today. God still disciplines his people. And it says, uh, he says, not even punished, visiting the iniquity of the fatherless and the children, uh, the fathers and the children and the grandchildren to the third and fourth generation. And now you say, well, we're not under that. And we're not. Just because my, my father never saw me, uh, never knew me, uh, but boy, uh, he's my father, uh, I don't have to turn out like him. His sin does not fo- follow me anymore because I have a personal relationship with Christ. If you're with me, right? A lot of people get stuck and say, well, I guess that's the way I'm going to be. I know people who have committed suicide, and we, they sit in my office weeks before, 
and they've committed suicide, and I know why they did. Because they believed, because their mother committed suicide, and their grandmother committed suicide, watch this, and their great-grandmother committed suicide, it was in there, that's what their life was going to be. Isn't that sad? And I would try to convince you, say, no, this is, you can break that. Sure enough, he committed suicide. And there are so many people out there that believe, look, it's not that way anymore. Christ died for us. Now, if you choose to fall in the way of your father and mother that was not healthy, yeah, that's going to happen. But from this point on, when Christ came in, uh, uh, he came into our lives, that breaks that. We are not tied to that. God died for that. Uh, But anyway, it says, uh, uh, to the third and fourth generations, we'll understand we'll understand that we're forgiven while at the same time there may be consequences for our actions but Jesus paid for that does that make sense? we are forgiven it says this uh, that Moses made haste to bow low toward the earth and worship see what he did all of a sudden he bowed low watch this it says this it says and he said if now I have found favor in your sight O Lord I pray remember this communication I pray let the Lord go along in our midst even though the people are so obstinate and pardon our iniquity and our sin and take us as your own possession do you see what happened everybody look right here For years I taught, and you've been taught, when you go to the Lord and you have a request, that request comes second. This is a picture of that. You see what he did first? His worship to God preceded his request. If all we do is go to God and just ask for things, and so I want you to know, our worship for God should always precede anything we're about to ask for him. He did it. He said, man, I'm about low to the ground. And then he said, I prayed. I have a request. And he took care of it. He says, uh, 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 honor, adoration, worship, and then a request. Uh, Follow that lead. It says, then God said, behold, I am going to make a covenant before all the people, and I'll perform miracles which have not been produced in all the earth, nor among any other nation or people among whom you live and they will see the working of the Lord for it is a fearful thing that I'm going to perform with you so what do I what do I want you to understand look at this be sure remember that statement he said Moses be sure be sure to observe what I'm commanding you this day Behold, he says it again, I'm going to drive out the Amorites before you and the Canaanite and the Hittite and the Perizzite and the Hivite and the Jebusite. He said, I'm about to, I've told you once, I'm going to tell you again. Okay, so here's what I want you to learn through that process. Be sure to do what God tells you. It's so easy, it's almost basic, isn't it? So you're going, well, do I tell the lie or do I not tell the lie? No, you don't tell the lie. Do I steal or do I not steal? No, you don't steal. Do I forgive or do I hang on and become bitter? You do what God commands you. You forgive. I'm about to blow up. Do I blow up? Or do I be kind and patient? It's, so, it's almost too easy. It's like somebody saying, it's like somebody saying, hey, if you, if, if you eat this steak, it's going to be really good. You're going to love that on your palate. It's going to be wonderful. You will make, you can eat this steak. Or you can eat this steak. It's about three days old. 
uh, it's rancid, it's, it's, it's got disease in it, um, and it doesn't taste very good, you're going to throw up when you're about 15 minutes after you eat it. So, which one do you want? Well, God, which one do you want me to have? Well, I would prefer you have this one. But you know, it sounds silly, but you know what we do most of the time? We grab this one. Why? Because maybe that's a little bit bigger, right? Maybe it's a little bit thicker. Maybe it has some type of mushroom sauce on it. All I'm saying is this. Of course, y'all know I love food. But it's, that, it's like God says, hey, you can forgive or not forgive. Yeah, but for unforgiveness, it just, I'm going to stay in this world for a while. Will you go on and do that? Have fun. See how that works for you. Right? And what he's saying here is, listen, you be sure to do what God tells you. That's what he told Moses second. And then it says this, watch yourself. All these words are taken from the Bible. Watch yourself. Why? That you make no covenant with the inhabitants of the land into which you are going, or it will become a snare to you. You see this? He says, listen, I want you to w watch out. I want you to be sure to do what I tell you, but I need you to watch, w watch yourself around others. Right? Come on, guys. Uh, we're young and we're old, we're middle-aged. We have sided with other people when we knew that wasn't the right thing to do. Right? Why do we do that? Be sure and watch yourself around others. And he said, because listen, if you get caught up in these other folks, you're going to have a snare. There's going to be a snare. And they could, they could snare you in to what they believe or how they think. Look, uh, seventh and then thing he says is be sure to uh, be sure to do what God tells you and then watch yourself around others and then he says this in verse 34 look at 13 but rather you are to tear down their altars and you're to smash their sacred pillars and you're to cut down their ashram uh, their ashram in which these ashram were were poles I don't know if I can get it up here to let you see it but it may have not taken it okay man I can't control it so you can take it there were these uh, uh, poles. Is it there, Dave? It may have been disappeared. It should be a picture. It disappeared. Uh, bring me over to uh, the next slide, if you could. I can't get over to it. So what he says, I want you to tear down your altars. So he was saying, look, there's a lot of altars out there. What is your altar to? Ready? If you said, Pat, do you have an altar? Look, look, look right here. An altar to me, it's not, it, an altar is that you... The ashram poles were uh, uh, built, and they were to honor uh, this god of fertility, this god who got us. And you would see these trees that they would, you know how like the Indian that they cut out over there in the park, and they would cut out this god in a tree, or they would make this god, and he said, I want every one of those poles cut down. And what he says to us, tear down things that are in your lives that are your gods, these little bitty gods in your life, these little bitty altars. Right? You have that? Mine could be music. I love music. I love all sorts of music. And if, not, if I'm not careful, I, my time where I go, I'm frustrated, I'll start listening to so much music, and then I'll start listening to different music, and then I'll start listening to music that's probably not good for me, and then all of a sudden, I'm going, man, I have not listened to anything that honors God. It's, music's not bad, but it becomes that that's where I go instead of going to God. It's not healthy, right? A pole, an altar is alcohol. An al altar can be alcohol. It really can. Uh, an alcohol, uh, you can go to it and you have a drink every now and then, but then all of a sudden you go and you self-medicate. That's an altar. 
You're going, I need this. I desperately need this. I mean, uh, name it, right? Some of us, our altar really is working out. I've seen people that that is their God. They work out. And they, and they come up, and really they'll go, I, I, I like working out. Well, I don't really enjoy working out, but I'll work out. But uh, uh, come up to me and say, well, I'm so lonely, I can't find anybody. And I'm going, well, when you go to the gym three times a day, and you step there till nine, you, you don't put yourself out there to get to know people. And where's God in all that? Working out is not bad. Everybody understand? But we can take anything to an excess. Xbox. I love Xbox. Sit down with a teenager this day. They go, you play Xbox? And I go, yeah. Right? I'm online talking to people and playing. But it's not my God. I won't, pay for, I won't play for three or four weeks. And then I'll play for two days straight. But it's not my God. And sometimes there are these things that God says, watch yourself around others and tear down these altars that you really spend so much time with. If you're with me, say, oh, yeah. Yeah. Because we have them. And we don't like to talk about them. And God forbid that the pastor who's supposed to lead you into helping your spiritual life would say something to make you mad. And you go, well, I don't like that, so I'm leaving. Well, you can leave, but if you ever came back, I would still teach the same thing and it would still be your God. Right? Let's do this. And then he said, I want you to smash what becomes sacred, but is not. That's one of the things, really, I, I made sure as we started this church, I thought, I want to smash anything in religion that became sacred that was not, that we don't have a Lord's Supper table. That's not sacred, but we make it sacred. Where's the table? That we don't put flowers in front. I'm, not, I'm okay with flowers, but I'd rather you spend $65 on two Bibles so that we can send it to some kids that need it. Right? I'd rather put food in a box. And there are things in the church today, there are things to us. When we were meeting in the shopping center, I remember coming, somebody coming three weeks in a row and afterward, he goes, I need to talk to you. And I said, okay. He goes, this is not church. We're meeting in a shopping mall. This is not a church. And I said, oh, brother, you are so, you need to be free. You're the church. You're the, you know what, you're the church. Well, I know that, but I just don't feel like I've come to a place unless it's got this sacredness to it. And I went, the most sacred thing is Jesus living in your heart. That is it. So what are the things about church, about what you think Christianity should be? And, and I'm not picking on Shannon, but Shannon and I, we grew up where you went to church on Sunday night, uh, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and then you had visitation night, which was Monday or Tuesday night. It was all the time, and you never, ever, 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 ever did you think about wearing uh, 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 shorts or open-toed shoes. But we're free here, aren't we, Kirby? Yeah. Does that make sense to y'all? There are some things that are sacred. Well, and I remember Shannon and I uh, talking about, and the girls said, hey, can we wear jeans? And she said, no. And I went, well, why not? And then we had this discussion. Not a, we just communicated and said, well, what? what's wrong with a pair of jeans? I'm telling you guys, it was like that, what, 25 years ago, that things are sacred. There are some things that are sacred to you that really are not sacred at all. So smash what's become sacred but is not. Are y'all with me? Yeah. Some people come to our church and they'll go, this is not normal. Let me tell you what's not normal. What's not normal, what's not godly is when you go to a church and you're manipulated by a pastor that yells at you most of the time or it's so emotional you're making your decisions based on emotion than you are making them on your heart and the logic that God has given you. 
right? But we think that's sacred. So, and then he said, for you shall not worship any other God, verse 14, for you shall, shall not worship any other God for the Lord whose name is Jealous, is a jealous God. Look. So, it says, a smash what has become sacred to you, but is not. And then, cut off those little gods in your life. We're talking about the things that you bow to, and now we're talking about these little things in your life that are, they really are little gods. Right? You say there's a difference. Yes, there was. There was a difference between an altar and a God, that you would kneel to the altar, you would go to the altar and pay homage to it, but the God is what you were really, what you were really honoring, right? So I could make golf a God. I love golf, right? But I don't want to make it a God. So I hadn't played since December. And I'm really emotional about it. No, I'm just kidding. So I eat more little Debbies. All right, here we go. Um, if you don't, you might. And that's really the whole thing of this message. If you don't do, look right here. If you don't do what he just said to Moses to do, you might. Remember, you might get caught in a snare. Look at this. It says this. It says, otherwise you might. That's, this is scripture. Look, it says 3415. He says, if you don't do these things, if you don't tear them down, if you don't smash them, if you don't cut them off, listen, you might. You might make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land. And, and they would play the harlot with their gods and sacrifice to their gods. And someone might invite you to eat of his sacrifice. You see the mites? I, never, uh, I read this over and over again, but for the first time, I really noticed all the, well, you might, you might, you might, right? You have you ever about to make a decision? You know, it's not the healthiest one. In the back of your mind, you know there's some party that goes, well, this might happen. Might is almost reality, isn't it? You go back and you look at the decisions you made. Stop, think about it. Go back today and go, I remember that. I knew I shouldn't have done it, and what I thought might have happened, happened. Listen, you might, you might not forgive, and so you'll be bitter for the rest of your life and wonder why you never married again, right? You might tell the boss off. You might tell him, and you might lose your job, and then you might affect your family. Then watch this. Then it affects your family. It affects your relationship with your wife. And you might go into depression. And when you go into depression, you don't want to do anything. And your wife says, what's wrong with you? You've got to get out. Your husband says, what's wrong? You might. You've got to look at that you might, right? You might. What is it that you're close to that you might, right? Look. It says, and you might, <laughs> it's right here in front of us, Exodus 30, 16, and you might take the son, some of the daughters for your sons, and his daughters might play the harlot with their gods and cause your sons to also to play the harlot with their gods. You might. Look, and then he said this, so let's make it clear, you shall, you shall make for yourself no molten gods. What had just happened a few chapters back? They made for themselves a molten god. He said, I'm trying to tell you that if you do this, I've told you I'm long-suffering, I'm forgiving, but 3,000 people died that day, and I will do this again because sin will not go unpunished. Look, 
For I will drive out, I will, I will drive out nations before you and enlarge your borders. If you do what I ask, I'm going to enlarge your borders. I'm, I'm, I'm going to drive out nations for you, and no man shall covet your land where you go up three times a year to appear before the Lord your God. Then look at verse 28. We'll jump to verse 28. So he was there with the Lord 40 days and 40 nights, and he did not eat bread or drink water. Now, some of you in the medical field would go, not possible. If God wants you to go without it, it's possible. Okay, let's not put our way of thinking in this. God medically is not messed up by what we've thought, what we've thought we figured about the body because God pretty much controls everything. It says, and he wrote on the tablets in the words of the covenant, the Ten Commandments. And it came about when Moses was coming down from the Mount Sinai and the two tablets of the testimony were in Moses' hand as he was coming down from the mountain that Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone because of his speaking with him. So now he's coming down the mountain. He's not realizing he's kind of glowing. You ever saw people glow, right? No, I'm talking about glow with their countenance, where they go, wow, you're, you're really happy. You're doing better. You feel better, don't you? My wife, if I'm sick, and I'm a baby when I'm sick. She knows it. I think all men were babies. And, and, and she'll go, well, it looks like you're feeling better today. I'm going, well, how can you tell that? I wanted to milk this for a couple more days. Well, it's because my countenance just says, hey, I feel better. So all of a sudden, he's shown with this glory. Look at verse 30. So when Aaron and all the sons of Israel saw Moses, behold, the skin of his face shone, and they were afraid to come near him. Then Moses called to them, and Aaron and all the rulers in the con- and the congregation returned to him, and Moses spoke to them. Look at 32. And afterward, all the sons of Israel came near, and he commanded them to do everything that the Lord had spoken to him on Mount Sinai. See, that's my job. Look, look. If this were now, I'm the Moses in your life. If you choose and say, you're my pastor, then I'm the guy that's trying to help you to understand who God wants you to be, how God wants you to act, and the church that we're supposed to be, the attitude you're supposed to have, the heart that you're supposed to have toward the lost world, and the heart that you're supposed to have toward each other as believers in Christ, whether you like it or not. Because it's for our good, and it's for his glory and his purposes. Look, it says, and when Moses had finished speaking with them, he put a veil over his face. Uh, it says, but whenever Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, he would take off the veil until he came out. And whenever he came out to speak uh, and spoke to the sons of Israel, what he, had, what he had been commanded, the sons of Israel would see the face of Moses, that the skin of Moses' face shone so Moses would replace the veil over his face until he went into to speak with him. So, why would I leave that in there? Because I believe this is a great picture of people, look right here, everybody, I'm about to close, that people that hang out with God, that people that have a relationship with God, and people, are you listening? That if you... These people, me, you, when we have this relationship with God, when we pursue his purposes over us, when we say, God, I'm going to have your heart and not mine, when we say, I'm going to live by your fruits of the Spirit, not my fruits of my flesh, when we make this, these decisions, people see us, and I believe our countenance says to them, you're hanging out with God. Right? You're hanging out with God. 
Is that what your countenance, is that what your countenance uh, is like for others? That's, I, honestly, guys, that's what I want my countenance to be. That you could look at me and say, Pat's such a goober, or that was really dumb he said that, or, but you know that my heart just wants best for what God wants for me, but wants best for what's for you. Look right here. Even when I counsel you, and you don't like what you hear, because in the long run, it's going to benefit you, and it's going to benefit the Father in heaven. And that's what we need to do. So, this is what we leave with today. Just a reminder. As a disciple of Jesus, all these words were used. You be sure. You be sure to live as he desires. And you watch yourself. You watch yourself around your family members that are not of the Lord. You watch yourself around cousins. You watch yourself around work people. Watch yourself as you interact with others. And you consistently tear down ungodly habits. Tear them down. In fact, smash anything that is out of God. Cut it off. If you don't, who knows where you may find yourself. You just might find yourself in great trouble. You might find yourself interacting with people that are not healthy for you. Right? So that's my message for you today. Snap a picture of it. Do what you want. Take it with you. But here's the thing. This is what I want you to camp on this week. I'm going to be sure. I'm going to watch myself. I'm going to tear down, smash, and cut off. Because who knows where this might lead me. All right? Well, I'm going to pray for you. And then we're going to be dismissed. And uh, um, thanks uh, for being here. Y'all be careful. Don't forget to pray for all those needs that we talked about today. And uh, continue to pray for them. So thanks for being here. All right. Father, we love you, and we thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you that you've left this life of Moses to help us understand who we are and who you are. Thank you for your long-suffering, your kindness, your graciousness. Thank you that every time you speak or we read anything about you, it's truth, it's solid, it's valid, it's sure. Help us to honor you with our lives. Help us to smash things and to tear it down, to cut it off that, aren't no good, that are no good for us and no good for your kingdom's work. We love you, Jesus, and we thank you for this time together. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Guys, y'all have a great week. God bless you. All right?